Gentlemen, welcome to another District of Confusion Thursday Night Hangout. So, according to Charlie, at the beginning, we were going somewhere. But I'm not sure, because I feel like I'm in the exact same place of where we started. Our minds, our ones and zeros are transisting through... Oh, God damn it. Now, we, uh, Zelius and I were talking uh, IT speak, you know, how we just make <laughs> up words. And my brain tried to go there again. So you just passed the Turing test of whether or not you're actually a robot. Or congratulations. Yes. Ha ha. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, this is, uh, I am sorry. I am your host, Charlie. And I'm joined once again by the political counter himself, Zelius. It was good to see you on the post holiday depression, happiness, exuberation, sadness, new year. Yay. Happy new year. Yeah, I guess. I, don't know. I mean, it was a great new year for me. I don't know about you guys. I, I, I'm pretty sure you suffered about seven or nine heart attacks. This is very true. Like, actually, my hop just, it definitely just stopped working at one point because I thought it was all over. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, if you, if you are curious as to why Zelius might have seven or nine heart attacks, Zelius mm -hmm. is a diehard UGA uh, dogs. fan. And uh, for those out there who were watching college football playoffs, you would know that the dogs, the Georgia Bulldogs, uh, pulled one out of their uh, rear end at the end of the game. So, oh, it was a victory straight out of the ass. Yep. There is no nice way of putting it. Yes, I still don't actually know how they won the game, but the score says that they won, so I will take it. Yeah, W is a W. Indeed. Ladies and gentlemen, this, of course, is the Thursday Hangout. It's a live show where we try our best to cover the topics most important to you during the show. If you haven't submitted your topic, question, or opinions, or thoughts, or comments, have no fear. All you got to do is drop it in the chat, and we will add it to the show. Now, of course, if it's a topic or a question, uh, we will try to add it to the list of the show. And if we unfortunately run out of time, that topic will be added to the beginning of the next show. Um, some housekeeping uh, business real quick. Um, this is kind of a cool statistic here. Uh, I went back through, um, uh, the, the, let's see here. Um, the, the shows. So 2022, we had 41 shows in 2021. We had 40 shows mm. and 2020, we had 39. So in 10 years, we'll have 53 shows. Oh, geez. Well, I th well unfortunately, I think we're going to take some vacation. Or fortunately or unfortunately, we're going to take some vacation. Um, I could tell you uh, right now that, of course, this is the first show of the new year, 2023. And uh, the next show will not be next week, but the following week because of... A convention that if you are near the Chattanooga area, you should be attending. And that, of course, is Chattacon. Chattacon! Uh, I'll be getting up there. The Chattacon runs Friday to Sunday. Um, I will be getting, I personally will be getting up there Thursday just so I'm got all my stuff up there uh, and I'm ready to go. Um, I did get a last minute replacement for uh, Zelius. Uh, it is, uh, it's actually one of my cousins. 
uh, is willing to step in and help me with the equipment. Uh, if you remember, I had previously stated that we're not going to have a table this year. And I might, I'm still kind of messing around with it, but we might, depending, we may or may not have a table at conventions going forward uh, because that will allow me a little bit more um, mobility to do interviews and, and whatnot. Uh, but that's kind of still up in the air. I am uh, hosting one panel, which of course is uh, video games changing for the good question mark. Uh, I believe uh, the official schedule isn't out, but I believe it's going to be one of the Sundays. Or I mean, it's going to be one of the Sunday panels. Uh, but I will also be Sundays. Uh, moderating. Um, they've asked me to moderate one other panel that's based around video games, so should be well within my. Um, wheelhouse. And I saw that uh, Corey of uh, Vitamin Key Podcast is also a panelist. Well, Spooky Dudes. Is that what it is? Spooky yeah, he's, dudes? He's, he's doing Spooky Dudes. There. Cool. Yep. Well, it's funny. It says host creator of Vitamin Key Podcast and then of oh, Spooky Dudes. Yep. So it's like... Yeah, I believe so it's, I believe it's the, the Spooky Dudes part or portion. Of, That's cool. Uh, yep. But anyways, uh, so... Chattacon 2023 uh, starts next Friday, which is, I don't, I'll see here. Let me cheat real quick here. Uh, starts the 13th and goes through the 15th. Uh, so if you're, if you're going to Chattacon, come find me. I will be wearing, probably wearing this hat uh, at multiple points in the uh, thing. And also I will be lugging a bunch of recording equipment around. So it probably won't be very hard to find me. Oh, and apparently I might be, I might have a time slot to do autographs. Nope. You can't do autographs. Uh, why not Zillies? Cause you have to do brain doodles. Oh no, no. I, I will be doing brain doodles and I will be autographing said brain doodles. Nice. I'll be, okay, I'll be doing, uh, Chattacon exclusive brain doodles and I'll be, those will be what mm. I assign. Better hold on to those. They could be worth big moonies someday. Um, I thought about bringing like my whole collection. I might still do that, but I but I might also do some Chattacon <laughs> original brain doodle. So nice. Be on the lookout for that. All right. Anyways, uh, now with that out of the way, uh, let's get into uh, some of the other topics. Uh, the first one. Is and this makes me kind of giggle, and you and I think that at this point, anyone who has followed Ultra Confusion or seen one of my panels understands my opinion of a certain sports franchise called Madden. Now, I think uh, does Madden make you mad? No, I well, the them releasing a a quote unquote brand new game every single year makes me mad for the consumers. Um, because I feel it's a total ripoff, but uh, I guess in a in an I don't I want to say it's karma because it's still screwing over the consumers. But apparently, if you have a um, let's see here, I just want to make sure I get this right. If uh, if you were logged into your franchise league between two forty five p.m. Eastern time. On December 28th and 12.45 a.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time, uh, on December 29th, so basically uh, looks like 10, 10 hours, mm -hmm. if you were logged in within those 10 hours, 
your franchise league save has now been corrupted, or 60% of those saves uh, are is, are now corrupt, corrupted and cannot be recovered. Yay, I love the cloud. It's all so safe and secure and happily living in a world of redundant backups and, well, having backups, right? Yep. Right? Yep. Backups, backups of your backups, man. Yeah. I mean, you know, having a single source of your data is backup, right? Because I backed it up to my hard drive. Obviously. Yeah. Um, but I mean, in all seriousness, that really sucks. Um, it's putting it nicely. I mean, that's that's a major snafu. I mean, I don't know how to put it lightly other than they just totally screwed up. Um, I mean, to have your entire career lost... And that way, due to a data corruption on their part, um, yikes. But but here's here's I mean here's the real kick in the nuts, and that is that if for those out there who who pro, who have never played Madden or maybe have played Madden, uh, but maybe never tried the franchise mode out. Franchise mode means that you take over a team, uh, and it potentially could be several seasons okay and in those several seasons you will be making uh roster changes um you know your your win loss records all that stuff all that information and for 60 percent of the user bases save games to just go i mean damn because i mean i when when i was playing you know, sports games, I definitely, well, actually, when I was playing sports games, I usually try to do, like, build build a character and then throw them on a yeah. team and then play that team over multiple seasons, having my, um, usually, quarterback is the usual position that I would select. Because, um, yeah, quarterback gets to do the most stuff. Um, I mean, it would be like if you're playing, like, a MOBA or FPS and all of a sudden like the data corrupts and half of the um, user base basically loses all the rankings and all that stuff that happened. How about, how about this though? I mean, how, how, how screwed up would it be if the corruption of the save were to reverse unlockables? Oof. Like I, I don't know. Like I haven't played Madden in a while, but there were like things, like stats that, or you know, um, achievements uh, that you had to get to to unlock stuff. So I wonder. Well, that might be a separate save file. God, I hope it's a se separate save file. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's all like does the um. Does it reauthenticate? Does it does it yeah, recheck? Does, it, does like the award look at every time you log in? Does it see if you had like ten victories every season? Yeah. Every time you log in, or once you get that ten wins every season, then it's on. That's like a separate database where it yeah. knows you got that. Yeah. So I guess that's the big question: is how do they basically make that happen? Um, that's something we're not going to know. No. Um, well, but users who have encountered this probably do know. Whether yeah. or not they still have all of their achievements or not, I mean, that, God, what is? Well, I would, I would assume, I would assume that it's a, it's probably a localized save file because it's probably just, uh, 
a small um like sp- spreadsheet that just holds all that information yeah. and and that the other save is just to you know for for just that mode got to hope so cuz otherwise that would suck i mean talk about killing any desire to ever play that game again especially if um especially if you've put several seasons in you know to not be able to recover that well, I mean, you only encountered the bug if you logged in during that like yeah, 10 24 hour, hour period. Yeah. So you know that the people who encountered it are people who played the game. And probably play it religiously. Yeah. I mean, if they're playing at that time of the day and, you know, during that time, um, you know that they're, pl- that they're Madden gamers. Yeah. So those are the people you don't want to piss off. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, hey. 28th, that's a Wednesday. Okay, so Wednesday, Thursday. I mean, a lot of people were also off during that time and had holidays and stuff. So, right, very conceivably. Well, I was just trying um, to, uh, to be honest with you, I don't think there was much going on on the twenty eighth. So, I think that there's the the user base is probably bigger during that's that what time I mean, frame. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like a perp like that gap between like Christmas and New Year's is like a perfect just dive into your gaming period. Yeah. Um, just out of curiosity, I'm I'm gonna look this up on ESPN. I'm gonna see if there was anything on the 28th mm. for like football. Yeah. Uh, let's see here, 1617, 29th, 28. Uh. Oh God, the 28th was that three overtime bowl game. Nah. Eh. And then there was also the Oregon-North Carolina game, which was decided by one point. So there were some exciting games, but uh, unless you're, I, I guess unless you were one of the fans of those teams, you probably weren't watching. Of course, the other part that sucks is from a consumer perspective, there's basically little repercussion for EA's actions in this case, or inaction, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, and as a consumer, you're shafted yep. um, in this situation. Yeah. I mean, there's no good that comes of it if you're a gamer who encountered that situation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully, but I mean, I, the, 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 at the end of the day, I don't think even if this pisses off a lot of gamers and, and makes them cry on the inside, it's not going to stop them from, if they are, you know, if they are yearly Madden purchasers, I don't think it's going to stop them from, purchasing the next Madden. So, because, you know, they want to keep playing their football. Well, I guess the question is, okay, so if you have Madden 2022 and you get yep. Madden 23, does like your stuff carry over from Madden 22 to 23? Like if you had like your um, career mode, does that carry over from game to game? In the past, when I was playing it, and that was like the early 2000s, it did not. It was two separate things. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's changed. I would assume that it has not, but I, I don't know for sure. Come on, man. Man up and play Madden. No, thank you. Fair enough. I'd rather, I rather waste my money on an unknown title that sounds exciting than play uh, a game that I know is just regurgitated crap. Anyway, I mean, 
Yeah, I have nothing appropriate to say to that. So, okay. <clears throat> uh, the next story that I want to talk about, it's not, it's actually really interesting. Uh, as we know, uh, we are now in the age of AI-generated stuff. For better or for worse, we now have AI software that's out there that is, um, uh, I guess, helping or hurting individuals uh, big time. Um, now, this is actually a very interesting thing. Uh, apparently, uh, unfortunately, Zelius and I have been out of college for a bit, but apparently there is some AI programs that will help you write term papers. Oh, yeah. A college student, I'm trying to remember, let's see if I can find out which, oh, crap, I just closed the damn page. You need some AI to help you find it, man. Hold on. I think I, I think I could pull it up real quick. I want to see here. I had the damn thing open, too. That's going to piss me off. Um, there it is. Let's see if they named the, where the guy goes to college. Oh, of course. It's a computer science student at Princeton. <clears throat> nice. Has created a program that could quickly and efficiently detect whether an essay is um, created with AI or if it was actually written by a human. So it's like, who watches the watcher? Yeah, exactly. So, so so then you have to create a smart enough AI to not be recognized by his AI, and then you have to create an AI to detect that AI to detect the other AI. It is like a never-ending loop of to find the cheater. Yes. Yeah, exactly. But, <clears throat> I mean, okay. The, the, old, the older student in me goes, fuck yeah, that's right. Don't take the easy way out. But at the same time, to be totally honest with you, I did take some easy ways out when I was in school. So I can't, you know, you know, kettle black. <clears throat> I mean, also rightly or wrongly, though, like when I taught, I knew in my mind that the students could cheat. Yeah. Like it was clear. So I would try to design projects in in-class work in such a ways where cheating wouldn't really help them. Like they could try, but they're so specific to that mm -hmm. that it wouldn't really be of any use. Um, and like I'd ask very specific things, like particularly in in-class exams, where like they couldn't really Google the answer. Mm -hmm. Now, this AI that you're referring to, the what Chat GP or whatever it is, I'm having my like an yeah, acronym. Uh, Chat GPT. Yeah, there we go. Chat GPT is supposed to be smart enough to actually get around basically what I was trying to do. Yeah. Like force them to know the information. Right. Um, so, you know, that it, it's, it, it's the, I mean, it was a constant thing when I was doing that was how do you deal with the fact that students do cheat? Um, I think it's, it, when I say the word cheat, it's also, I look at it though as also a little bit of realization that like, hey, you know, it's always like, oh man, you got to prepare for the real world and what's going to be like when they're out there. Well, guess what? It's not like when you're in the real world working your job, your boss isn't like, you can't use Google to do this problem. No, like they want to use every resource available. So there's also a little bit of like, yeah, you want your, you know, we're employees. We use the resource available to us. So at the same time, I also want the students to figure out how to use those resources to problem solve and do it. So I guess that's where I try to kind of formulate the questions is, okay, I know they're going to go research it, but how do I still verify 
that they're not just copying and pasting off of a website, basically. Right. But they actually understand what was going on to Google those questions. That's fine. But they had to kind of understand what they're doing in the first place. And it's not always easy, um, to be fair. But that is the reality of being an education in today's world. And I think it's something we just have to be like, it's also not hiding your, you know, head under the sand and acting like it doesn't exist. It does exist and you have to acclimate to that. Right. No, I mean, like, uh, I was, you know, I, I wrote a ton of papers when I was in school. And to be honest with you, when you get into the real world, you're not going to have an employee. I, I hope you do not have an employee who goes, by the way, I need a, a 20 page dissertation on the evolution <laughs> of the modem. No one's going to ask you that. Unless they're psychotic. I've already hired you. I want to make sure you understand the technology from 20 years ago of how we got to where we are today, sir. Yeah, no, no yeah. So, but I mean, it's, 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 I mean, like, once again, as, as AI evolves, you're going to get more sophisticated stuff. Uh, and I just think it, it hell, if, if this thing can evolve and, uh, I, you know, it, it's just cool to me. I mean, um, so good for this guy. Um, Edward Tane from Princeton. Um, I'm probably pronouncing his last name wrong and I apologize. I'm curious on how he's deciding or like what, like what basically algorithm is going on behind the scenes to help try to figure out if the student was cheating or not is really kind of fascinating to me. Um, this would be curious to kind of see. How about if he just like, literally it's just a, um, uh, a uh, compare and contrast from utilizing uh, an AI program a couple times on the same topic and then seeing similarities. That's honestly what I assume it is. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of. Cause that's like how, cause like we use plagiarism software and that's exactly what it does yep. is it goes and finds like, you know, 20 pages, 20 papers about, you know, the history of Anne Frank and then compares that to what a student hands in on their biography um, and that would be my guess. He has some kind of hieristic algorithm to determine based off of what he input, the answers it gave. Mm -hmm. Does he have the same answers again for the same question? It would be my guess. Um, which is tricky. Like we did mess a little bit with the AI and like, you can also get granular and be like, okay, write me a history paper of MLK. Okay. Now write me a history paper of MLK from a sixth grader level. Right. Okay. Now, right for me from a 12th grade level. So it can get pretty precise um, and even narrowing it down in that regard. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's pretty neat stuff. I mean, it's the future. So, um, speaking of AI, now, of course, you know, you have the term papers, but you also have this, this ever evolving uh, issue, controversy, uh, problem. Uh, there are programs out there, um, such as, uh, stable diffusion. Um, mm -hmm. and let me, let me make sure I get the other one. Uh, I knew I had stable diffusion and really stable diffusion and unstable diffusion. Jesus Christ. Wow, really original there, guys. Um, which basically you put in um, a, a famous actor or some s sort of subject, and what this 
what this AI program will do is it basically scrapes um, the internet uh, for every reference of a specific topic. And it does like a compilation of it. And then it basically does an, an art AI uh, algorithm and creates their version of that art. Now, um, the AI does not discern a difference between copyrighted and not copyrighted stuff. And there are a lot of artists out there who, I mean, their entire livelihood is making this art. And uh, a lot of this AI created stuff, one, one is sampling their stuff. And also two, um, uh, as we, we mentioned in an episode, a previous episode, if you are an artist who is actually trying to make your your work as accessible as possible, you use a lot of like uh, alternative text and tags. Mm -hmm. So an individual who has you know some sort of impairment can easily find and and understand the art. Um. So, you know, so you've you've got this weird thing where we're we where this technology is evolving faster than um, law can keep up. Uh, and there was a, uh, a Kickstarter project uh, that basically made um, NSFW, or Not Safe for Work, art. Um, and basically what it did is it utilized an AI uh, program and uh, it was, it's a Kickstarter, so it's getting funded. So people were paying for this thing. Um, and Kickstarter was starting to get a shit ton of backlash on this project. And so they suspended the project or the campaign and they came out and basically said, look, this is some, some really tricky and, uh, it's really tricky, and this is one of the undefined areas. Um, they went they went further on to say Kickstarter must and will always be on the side of creative work and the humans behind that work. We're here to help creative work thrive. So uh, they're going to have to find in the future. They're going to have to figure out a way to validate if the project is going to steal mm -hmm. uh, work. Uh, to create its own unique stuff because you know if you if you allow for individuals to create artwork of I don't know um, Dungeons and Dragons esque stuff and it's just the AI algorithm basically pumping out uh, let's say 150 images and then they're making you know bank off of of stealing other people's work. I mean, it's, it's not, I mean, I don't, I almost want to put it on the level as that, that terrible vendor slash That's artist thinking, yeah. from Momocon who literally was stealing artists work, uh, and basically would take the work and put it into their, their art program, Photoshop, paint shop, wherever, whatever, and just add a couple filters to create their own unique version 
and not change anything else. They'd sell it for like 50 bucks. Um, you know, I kind of put it on that level, which. It's tricky though. Cause it's also a little bit of where do you start drawing that line? Right. So take for instance, Dungeons and Dragons, right? Yep. Like the original artwork from like Larry Elmore and all those guys, there's a lot of artwork, original artwork derived from that style of work. Yep. Right. The kind of saying, you know, the dragon and the warrior and all that stuff. Yep. It's obviously unique. Like, let's just hypothetically say, we all know I'm not an artist, but hypothetically, Zulus an artist. Dude, this Larry Elmore stuff is awesome. So I start creating my own dragons. I don't think anybody has an issue with that. No. But it's where do you start? Where's that kind of gray area? Because somewhere in between there, there's going to be, you know, stable diffusion, which just straight up rips all that off. But what happens if stable diffusion just draws me a wing to get started? And then I draw the rest. Or maybe I do my first, you know, run because like if you ever watch an actual artist, like there's multiple layers yeah. that they're, you know, that they're doing. So what if stable diffusion just does the first pencil shading layer? only and then i do the rest so i think that's what you're also going to see is you know i think it's pretty cut and dry okay straight up stable diffusion stealing and just copying and pasting yeah that's not cool for monetary gain purposes but there's a hundred percent i mean in a way you know your foot your your stuff like krita and photoshop already help out with that as it is like they already have a lot of intelligence built into them mm -hmm. to help the artist make their work more efficient to get their artwork out there. So at some point there's going to be that uncomfortable gray area of where does it go from, you know, Zelix's original artwork to I've now copied Larry Elmore's work. And think about it, that's something that like video game developers have been battling for years. You know, at one point am I stealing assets from another company or ideas? Um, that's where you had the whole issue of Sun Microsystems and the lawsuit they've been in for years decades of can you basically patent software ideas right uh, and this is kind of no different with drawing like can i patent dragons basically would kind of be the analogy here um so i mean i totally get it like if it's just a straight up stealing stable diffusion not cool we want the human element but at some point, there's going to be the AI assisted where it's referencing other artwork out there. At what point do you cross that threshold of I'm now stealing it to it's my original work? Because um, there's there's going to be a whole spectrum in between of straight up original work to, you know, stable diffusing it. Right. Um, it, it that's just Get it with and think about it, when you also like when we start, you know, you go to conventions, there's also going to be that discussion that's going to start coming up of, you know, artist alley. Does that have to be original artwork? I think the obvious answer is like, well, of course it has to be original artwork. But then you're going to start discussing like, well, they got a little bit of assist on the AI to help them get started. Is that still original? And uh, you start, I mean, you could go down the rabbit hole of, well, yeah. of creating, um, you know, original artwork of, of copyright IP. Yeah. Um, which we see a lot of at conventions. Yeah. I mean, think about how much of the artwork is derivatives of copyrighted IP. Um, yeah. So th this is, it's going to be 
tricky. I think the hard kind of like you mentioned earlier about the laws catching up is a lot of times these type of situations we're applying laws from like the 1800s basically. Right. Like original copyright laws that there's just no conception of this type of situation. So it gets me a little riled up. It's like, well, you know, copyright infringement and stuff. I'm like, well, okay, but like there was no one like we need like basically a new set of but unfortunately our politicians are all too damn old to under understand what the hell AI is, but that doesn't help. They um, still can't figure out video games, so this is true. <laughs> and so that's what makes it tough. Like yeah. it all moves so freaking rapidly that we're basing laws that are hundreds, 200 years old, or even like, you know, I mean, think of the most modern, like laws, like you probably like, like the DMCA act from like the early two thousands and how rapidly since then everything has changed. Yep. Um, so even like the more recent laws that have tried to keep up at the times are now so far behind what's happened um, over the last, and this is only going to expedite that process of, the brave new frontier of, you know, what is copyright infringement basically? Right. Right. Um, yeah. I, um, even like, I mean, you think of that, that like I was playing a video game, North, Northrend, where it's a mix up between RTSs and city builders. Mm -hmm. And you go back to the idea of what is stealing another games. What is basically stealing another game? Mm -hmm. You get games that are so close and mash up to other games. Right. I mean, you got, um, I know that, I mean, a couple of years ago, you had all the, the clones of like yep. popular apps appearing. Yeah. That would change a word around or misspell <laughs> it or whatever. Uh, or, you know, um, my, my new favorite example is uh, instead of Hello Kitty, uh, greetings feline, which is just great. I mean, you know, like angry birds and, and then you get like disgruntled pigeons or something. Um, but yeah, I, I, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's really, you know, it's a brave new frontier and it's, it's going to, to be honest, to be deadly honest with you, it's going to take a major corporation filing a lawsuit, which will then go to court. What's up, Nakamoto? Um, which will, you know, go to court saying that this algorithm, this AI algorithm is utilizing, uh, is basically scraping our site for our copyrighted material. And then as, uh, as many, major corporations do, they will basically drain whoever created the the art uh, dry of money. They'll win it and they will then utilize that lawsuit uh, as present for all the other lawsuits. And you're, then you will see a bunch of maybe smaller artists jumping into the, into mm -hmm. the fray because now there is a, an example case of of, you know, even though it's a big corporation and they have shit tons of money to basically, uh, what's the talk, the, the, the tactic, President. uh, yeah, but they, yeah. they, right. Uh, but what, what big corporations do to smaller businesses or individuals is they, oh, yeah. uh, they file for an extension, 
um, to get more facts to strong to basically strengthen their case. What they're really doing is uh, the the longer the trial goes, the more that the the smaller individual has to pay for you know um, representation and stuff until they can't pay no more. Yep. Um, so it's yep. it's good it's going to take a major corporation to to really at least start the the foundation of how to deal with AI generated content. My vote is Disney. That would not surprise me. Either Disney or Nintendo. Those are the two that come to my mind immediately. If someone, yeah. but the thing is, Disney's probably more likely because Disney has got their hands in so many additional cookie jars. You know, where I mean, they've got movies, they've got video games, they've got books, they've got TV shows. Uh, they've got such. They have a much uh, larger footprint and um and different versions of content that uh you know that 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 an ai program be able to pull from fun fact though um you want to know what you want to know one of the sneaky reasons why ever every i don't know like five six seven years you have a new mickey mouse tv show it's so they could continue to uh, copyright that IP because Mickey Mouse is evolving. Therefore, it's not the same Mickey Mouse. It's a newer version of the Mickey Mouse. Which is why, technically, Winnie the Pooh is in public domain as long as Winnie the Pooh doesn't wear a red shirt because the red shirt Winnie the Pooh is copyrighted by Disney. I think the original Mickey Mouse actually goes in the public domain in 2024. Oh uh, no! It it already passed. Uh, it was um. Oh, gosh darn it! It was. Was it this year? Uh, no. It, well, it was it was twenty twenty two. I oh. think it was like July or August. And you mean the world did not come to an end for Disney? It was Steamboat Willie. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Which was the first uh, iteration of of Mickey Mouse. However, and, and so so the, they, they still make money, even though that happened. Is what you're saying? That's amazing. Well, because technically, well, first of all, I don't think that technically his name was Mickey Mouse, though everyone says it is Mickey Mouse. So technically, if you were to draw Steamboat Willie, I think you're okay, as long as you don't name him Mickey. Mm. But anyways, yeah, copyright IP law, just crazy awesome. <sighs> Hey, it'll keep the lawyers employed. That's true. That's true. Uh, yeah. Anyways. Um, okay. Let's do one more topic, then we'll do friends of the show. Sound good? Zelis, I'm going to let you take this next one because you did post about it. Um, one of Zelis and my uh, favorite authors. Um, he's written, I mean, the, he's a very, very good. He also ran a very successful Kickstarter, actually the most successful Kickstarter to ever hit the platform, uh, a gentleman by the name of Brandon Sanderson. So and Brandon Sanderson with his um, Kickstarter, so basically came out of his Kickstarter as he was trying to find publishers for his audiobook of, I'm having a brain fart in what the actual Kickstarter series is called. Um, well, it's called a secret project, but let's see if... I think it actually has a title maybe, 
but he had used the audible in the past. Um, and he decided not to go with audible for this. And his reason is because audible, um, charge. So normally when you deal with like a electronic platform and publisher or developer split, you're talking 730, 70, meaning you're, Developer gets 70%. I'm using developer and publisher interchangeably here. Yep. Your developer gets 70% and your platform, like be it Steam or Apple, gets 30%. Um, plus or minus a few percents, but it's somewhere in that range. Usually it's what you're, maybe 20, 80, but it's usually somewhere in that range is what you're looking at. Um, and I did not know this, but with Audible, so that is the um, audiobook that Amazon owns, of yep. course, along with all the Kindles. Um, and of course, that's what you always see in the Amazon store when you buy books, is they charge 60%, meaning Audible, Amazon keeps 60% of all of the profits. profits. Now, that is only, this is a very big caveat, that is only if you're an exclusive artist of Audible. And if you are a non-exclusive, meaning you're say on um, Libby, which is for um, which is for um, libraries, mm -hmm. now your cut goes down to twenty five percent, and Amazon gets seventy five percent, which to me is absolutely insane. I had no idea it was such a crazy split. So Brandon Sanderson was like, "Well, this is crazy." Has decided to issue. Um, Audible for this project and he's going with um, Spotify is one of them, um, which is kind of ironic because they shaft artists, but whatever yeah. um, musical artist. Um, now he makes very clear that he's in a position that he is financially able to do this um, based off Kickstarter and his other phenomenally popular series. Like he's not like indie artists. You guys should do this too. Cause this is a morally bankrupt or he's not like on a high horse or anything. Um, it was a very well articulated, go figure, um, letter basically be like, hey, I'm in a position where I can kind of stand up and willingly take a hit to my bottom line by not using Audible and hoping that we can make some changes in the marketplace. Because really, Audible is the player in the game. Because um, if you don't go with Audible, you're losing sales. There's just no other two ways about it. Um, so that's kind of crazy to me that it's a 40 or 25% take is all you get. Um, and you think, I mean, people like to crap on Apple, um, rightly or wrongly for getting 70% or steam getting 70% or sorry, 30%, they get 30%. Um, whereas Amazon gets a lot of that. So yeah. I'm trying to quickly look up, uh, Spotify to see if I could find it, but it would appear that uh, there there's a lot of different requirements for Spotify mm. for you to get the the percentage. But Zilis is right. Um, back in the day, <clears throat> uh, where brick and mortar stores ruled the world, um, basically, what the 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 price breakdown for most games is going to be, um, let's say. Our favorite store, GameStop. <clears throat> I say that sarcastically, but anyways, GameStop um, would take twenty percent of the pro the sale profit, uh, which would then give eighty percent to the publisher, 
and depending on the publisher's contract with the developer, the publisher would either take anywhere from 60 to 80% of the whatever's left of that 80%, which then uh, the developer would get 40% or 20 to 40% of the 80% of the profit. So it gets really, really small. And of course, this is one of the reasons why digital is a much better uh, marketplace for developers uh, because now you're taking the ability of the brick and mortar store from taking some of that profit. Now you're only dealing with basically the, the profit share of your platform, be it Steam or GOG or Epic or the X, uh, Xbox Live Arcade or the PSN. PlayStation Network or the the Switch Store or it's not called the Switch Store, is it? Eshop, isn't it? Eshop, yeah, eShop. <clears throat> and the other thing is this is th I mean, this is really where GameStop made all of its money is that there's no such thing as used game sales, which that was the dirty, dirty secret. It was um, a great, great secret. It was a great secret. And, and I wish that I had come up with that blasted plan because <laughs> I would be rich as fuck right now. And basically, ladies and gentlemen, uh, developers and publishers only make, only see a profit off of the the original sale of the game. And GameStop was literally pocketing forty to fifty to sixty bucks off of their used game sales. And so they were make, I mean, they were making bank. And you and you know, and and when when GameStop was in, you know, was the top dog. This uh, unfortunately, we're now at a point where. Uh, publishers and develop what well, more developers and publishers uh, may just disappear or um, or get eaten alive by another company because most projects cost so much. But back back when GameStop was the king, um, you would see some like really good games out there that one would not get a sequel or two, the developers would go out of business simply because even though this game was being played by tons of people, ninety percent of them were playing the used copy version of the game, and so the developer had to close its door because it was only making ten percent of the uh, the amount of games being played. We do make a point because he Sinister even pointed out that the split that the author gets now is less than when it was brick and mortar. Yeah, um, via the Audible deal. So it's like, because it should be more because you don't have the storefront cost and like all the extra infrastructure costs in the brick and mortar you no longer have. And yet somehow the split has got worse right. in and, the process for um, books. Well, I mean, the, the the fact of the matter is, I mean, if, if you look at uh, uh, since Bezos stepped away from Amazon, leading Amazon, Amazon's basically been bleeding money. And so they've cut like a ton of employees and, and, you know, they're going to try to make as much money as possible. So I'm not really surprised that Amazon is, is taking huge chunks, uh, from the, uh, from the content creators. But I, the, and the thing that scares me about, you know, the amount, the, the sheer vol or uh, percentage of money, uh, that they're taking from each audible sale is the fact of there are, uh, what do you call them? Um, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm blanking. Basically, ensemble casts. 
mm-hmm. and each of those individuals mm-hmm. who are lending their voice get a cut of the whatever the the profit of that that ebook is right or uh, yep. the the audible so you know you get these big names to to voice it and then you basically have to split the 30% or 30 or 40% of that sale uh amongst like eight people and that gets you know then you're getting like itty bitty amounts of money and sure it's probably a very popular book i hope it's a very popular book so they could actually make something but still you know there that's a lot of ways to split a small percentage right and i'm sure that it's a i mean i i know that i can't i think that the voice actors have now unionized i think uh because of you know really piss poor uh pay right I wonder if voice acting and and lending your voice to an audiobook is the same thing. Mm. Like it, what I'm what I'm talking about with voice acting yeah, I for I know Zelius does, but just for the audience, when I'm talking about voice acting, I'm talking about lending your voice to like a cartoon or a movie or a video game or sorry, an animation uh project or um a vi- video game or something like that. Um That'd be very interesting. I'd have to actually look up that a little bit further. Hmm. Hmm. I'm I'm curious now, too. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I do want to pause real quick to thank the individuals who helped Alter Confusion by being amazing uh, fans uh, who support us in many different ways, uh, either through Patreon or other means. So let's start off with our first one, and that, of course, is the Indie Cluster. The Indie Cluster is an organization of independent game developers that want to gain exposure by being involved in the community. They collectively journey to popular conferences as a traveling booth to help gain attention for their games. They make partnerships with local communities to bring games to the mainstream mindset. They highlight local, unusual, and rare concepts to challenge the paradigm of the common. They also host events to teach kids and minority groups about game development to hopefully one day enter the industry themselves. For more information, go to indiecluster.com indiecluster now the next shout out we got to give to uh give out is an individual who's always crazy busy when he attends uh conventions because he's that talented ladies and gentlemen Noodle Boy Media, founded in 2015 by Andrew Tran, Noodle Boy Media, previously Wack Kid 47 Media, is your choice for professional photo shoots and panel recordings at conventions. They pride themselves in providing a high level of professionalism, top-notch experiences, and quality services. If you want more information and to view their full list of services, check out facebook.com slash noodleboymedia today. Noodle Boy! The next shout-out we got to give is to an individual who, if you're in the greater Atlanta area, you definitely have to check out, especially if you're a gamer, because he can help you uh, with some of those aches and pains of long gaming sessions. Ladies and gentlemen, Hero Chiropractic. Hero Chiropractic is a unique healthcare practice set up by Ryan Moore, the company's focus to elevate a patient's experience of freedom, creative expression, and joy. They believe that everyone can be a hero and has incredible heroic potential inside themselves waiting to be unleashed. Hero Chiropractic focuses on mobile chiropractic care in the greater Atlanta area. They are committed to healing clients by creating a plan of action uniquely suited for each person. They make that plan of action as convenient and affordable as possible and most importantly, suited to your individual needs. For more information, go to herochiropractic.com. 
chiropract yourself today. Now, the next shout-out we got to give is to the maestro himself, ladies and gentlemen, Crosspad Creative. Need a new logo or want to work on a full branding and content strategy? Or maybe you need music or audio for your content, just like Alter Confusion. Crosspad Creative offers a whole host of solutions for individuals and small businesses. Just email Josh at crosspadcreative at gmail.com and see what he can do for you. Crosspad Media for you. And the last shout out we got to give to give is, of course, to our longest running patron, and that is Agile Axiom. By day, Axe leads both the development team and system administration team working with satellites at NASA's Goddard campus. But while not in meetings and many times during, he is the Agile Evangelist, Agile Axe. Championing the philosophy of Agile and trying to make the world a better place for software developers, testers, system admins, and software projects the world over. Decades of experience in software development and leading Agile teams are brought to bear against evil processes, inefficient work, and bad habits. For more information, go to AgileAxiom.com. Agile Axiom. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I do want to point this one out. Um, although I have not yet signed up for it, ladies and gentlemen, Alter Confusion will, of course, be participating in Extra Life for the 12th year straight. Uh, unfortunately, we do not have a, um, a team page put up yet, but I do want to alert you that Extra Life is gamers doing what they do best, game, to help sick and injured children at their chosen Children's Miracle Network Hospital. The money that we raise through Extra Life will go directly to Children's Healthcare Atlanta as unrestricted funds. This means that the hospital decides where and how to spend the money to ensure the dollars we raise make the biggest impact in the lives of the kids they treat. Now, we don't currently have a page, but I hope to remedy that by next week. Uh, but if this sounds like something that's up your alley, please go to extra-life.org and sign up today and start fundraising for your local Children's Miracle Network Hospital. Now, Are you saying I have to like kids? Not necessarily. You oh, can make okay. the appearance of liking kids. There you go. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I know that a lot of people out there want to know, how do I become a friend of the show or help support Alter Confusion? Ladies and gentlemen, Alter Confusion survives on the love and support of fans like you, and so we have a Patreon page. Patreon lets you, the fans, lovers, haters, demigods, demons, interdimensional beings, gods, aliens, mummies, werewolves, vampires, and many more to become active participants in the work we love through a monthly membership. This membership gives you access to exclusive content, community, and insight into our creative process. In exchange, we gain a bit more freedom to do our best work and the stability we need to build an even stronger creative career. Currently, we have two levels that you can pledge at. There's a $1 a month or $12 a year level. And what that will get you is early access to all of our playthroughs, as well as the ability to participate in patron-only patron posts. That could be anywhere from a poll to just some information that is secret only to you. If you're feeling a little bit frisky, then there is the $5 tier. That's $5 a month or $60 a year. Not only get everything at the $1 tier, but you also gain your name or organization in every single Thursday night hangout. 
section. Uh, so if you want to become a patron for Alter Confusion, all you got to do is go to patreon.com. Pat, patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Altered Confusion. Patreon! And Celia oh, does want to point out that's less than a cup of fancy coffee. Five dollars a month. Six dollars a year. It, it's but not it is more than that a good bad. hot chocolate. It is... A pretty good deal, if I say so myself. Now, as I promised, there is going to be a slightly higher tier that is coming uh, probably by the end of the month, and that will have some actual physical goodies for anyone who wants to pump it up to that level. Like a cartoon? Zealus is still trying to get that web comic, but we'll see. It's my lifelong dream. I know. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's jump into the last couple of topics here. Uh, the next one, and this is just kind of, to be honest with you, this is kind of creepy to me. And that is that there is a, um, a Gran Turismo movie coming out uh, or in development or uh, filming, whatever. And Orlando Bloom is one of the main actors on this film. And he basically said that this movie will give you, and I want to make sure I get the quote right because it is a little bit weird. Prom he promises body vibrating sound. And to me, that is, I, that makes my brain go so many different directions. I don't think I like that. A little bit too phallic for your taste. I, I, to be honest with you, I just, I like, I, I just hear like, I don't know, body jiggling. That's, that's what I hear is body jiggling. Like, you know, my, my uh, my biceps and triceps accidentally hitting, you know, the side of my chest or my my knees clicking together, or my feet clicking together. It's I don't, I don't know. It just it's you know that like basically um, vibrating noises of your body, like you know if you're on a roller coaster. Uh, so it's like a free body vibrator, is what you're saying? Just but uh, what is it? Just ASMR. Yes. No, I mean, if it's a racing movie and it's like you're in this like race vehicle that's got a lot of room to it, you'll feel like you're in that vehicle shifting 20 times like Dominic Toretto. And every time you do it, you're going to feel the and your body will like shake with the car. I also want to point out that, that okay, Gran Turismo. Uh, I, I had the first Gran Turismo for the original PlayStation. And I'll fully admit that I tur turned it in because I couldn't pass one of the early tests. I was like, F this. Um, but it is basically a racing car game. That's literally it. You you race cars, you gain money from the races that you compete in, and then it allows you to unlock new cars and you can soup them up, whatever. So it's Fast and the Furious? Uh, not that crazy because they're, they're not, you know – leaning out of the side of a car, holding onto a torpedo across a frozen lake. It's well, what kind of just, racing game is that? Huh? Well, it's, it's literally, you know, just racetracks. However, they want to point out that this movie is more, it's more than just cars. There's also action, drama, and romance. And, oh, can, can we say, is there any more Hollywoodized way of 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 movie making than promising action 
drama, and romance. You know what it actually makes me think of? What's that? Days of Thunder. Yeah. Yeah. If anyone doesn't know what Days of Thunder is, it's a classic Tom Cruise movie. Um, Isn't that where, where he met like, Nicole Kidman? I don't know, to be honest. I, I haven't seen Days of Thunder in 20 years, probably. I think that that's where they met. Um, but it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a classic racing movie. It was good. Um, that's what I imagined this basically being like, you know, it's the young up and coming kid going to learn how to race really well. Speed racer. And he's going to make your body jiggle at the same time. No, you're going to hear his body jiggle. Oh, wow. This just got a little more awkward. I know. The problem is, is I'm only going to be able to see um, Legolas during the movie. Like, oh, there's an elf in the car now. When I think Orlando Bloom, my first reaction has to be Pirates of the Caribbean. No, he's he's an elf to me. Fine. He's an elven driver for you, and for me, he's a pirate. Fair enough. Not a race car driver. All right, so here's the final topic, and this is actually a question I was asked. Uh, there is a new show on Netflix called Kaleidoscope. Mm. And uh, I want to say it's either got six or eight episodes. And the thing that makes this show unique uh, to many other shows is that you don't have to watch the episodes in order. You can watch them in whatever order you want to. And the reason well, I for- think specifically it randomizes it for each user. Yeah. Uh, the the reason is that each of these episodes is basically the story of an individual who is part of the overall story. So you're basically seeing it from their perspective and stuff. So my que- the question that was asked of me was, what do you think about this strategy? I have zero desire to see it, honestly. Like, based off of that... It's very hard to do that, like time fragmented time storytelling. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. Um, you think a movie like Memento, for instance, but it was like made that way. Like everyone saw the same sequence, at least. Like right. the storyteller could story that tell that story correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've already I've already read up a bit in Kaleidoscope because I was like, WTF is this? Mm-hmm. Um, and from everything I've read is like, yes, you're right. It's made so that you can basically watch it any order, but there's definitely some orders are better and much less confusing and give a better story overall than others. Um, cause there is still a bit, even though it's from each character's perspective, there is still a bit of a chronological order to it. Right. As far as we could watch it. Cause you still like, you know, like any heist, you gotta learn like, why did they meet up? How did they get there? And, you know, inevitably what went wrong in the heist? Um, that's what Money Heist did so well, which if you haven't seen it, it's another um, Netflix heist. Um, it's a Spanish production, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, where they do some of that, you know, it's like, you know, they're getting the heist and you learn what happened and why they come together and all that stuff. But like, it's part of the overall story. So it works. So I'm very skeptical of Kaleidoscope and it's just not really honestly on my list right now to see. Mm -hmm. Um, 
yeah. I, I think it that, you know, I, I think it's an interesting concept, but at the same time, this kind of reminds me, here's, here's the thing. I, I, I'm okay with like each episode kind of having its own, you know, character focus. It kind of reminds me of, um, the, the quantic dream games, uh, heavy rain, mm. Uh, yep. Between Two Souls. Um, why the hell can I never remember the last one? Detroit? No. Detroit Be- Becomes Human. Yeah, Becomes Human. Um, but in each one of those, uh, it kind of like layers on top where you have different perspectives. And yes, sometimes those characters don't meet until much later, but it's it builds upon itself where, you know, there is this chronological order to it. Um, I think stuff like that works better in a video game where you are, you're more immersed in that, like you are that storyline. Right. So I think for me, that type of, because that's the first thing that actually came to my mind was something like the Aquatic Dreams games, mm-hmm. where I know it's not as much as the timeline as it is the storylines, right. but they still kind of do it. I think for a video game, it works pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um because uh, like you get that different um, buy-in when you are that character and kind of controlling them and you, you're much more invested in those characters and just what's happening. But from a show perspective, I'm just a little bit skeptical and I'm like, eh. well, I mean like this, there, there was a, a there's a great movie uh, called clue uh, mm-hmm. starring uh, Tim Curry. And when it was actually in theaters, there were three endings, and it was basically random. Each theater would have a different ending, huh? Uh, or, or just you know would have one of the three. Now, of course, if you watch it on DVD or or Blu-ray or digitally, you they basically they go this basically you see one ending, and it's like this is how it could have happened, or and they would show another one. And then finally, they're like, and this is probably what really happened. And then they would show yeah. the third one. So, I mean, I that that's fun. You know, it's different. But at the same time, I once again, cool concept. But I think when it comes to Kaleidoscope, um, just for me personally, is I like stories that kind of build up on, build on each other. Uh, and, you know, yes, with, with like Quantic Dream Games, you're actually making the decisions, which I think then makes you all the more invested in in the storyline. Whereas in Kaleidoscope, you're a, a passive, you know, viewer. You you don't get to the only choice you get is what episode am I going to watch next? And I, I think, think that. Sorry, go on. No, I, I was going to say I think that the problem is that there there's got to be some small maybe small instances where if you watch it in a slightly different order there's going to be a reference to something you don't understand and there's a chance that that small little difference or that small reference you don't you will forget about you know you'll it'll totally be out of your mind because it ends up being that random last episode that you watch i think the other part that doesn't help is from the netflix description Mm -hmm. At least when I was reading it, I didn't know that they're randomized. Mm-hmm. 
So it'd be a little bit like the first time you watch The Witcher, you don't realize that they're jumping back and forth in time. Yeah. Once I realized that, I was like, oh, okay, now I have to figure out where we're in the timeline, and then it at least started to make sense. Um, which I don't think was intentional in that case, honestly. I just think that was an oversight. Yep. Um, so in this case, in Kaleidoscope, it would make, to me, much more logical sense if Netflix was just straightforward. Almost like, hey, we're randomizing for every user. If you don't want to randomize it, here's the recommended method of watching it. Mm -hmm. I think to most people, be like, okay, that makes sense at least. Right. But I think putting it out there randomized without letting the audience know is... I don't think that's what the audience wants. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. Is audience like, I think we know like audiences love like the spy heist, like those type of shows people love. Like there's no doubt. Yeah. But you want to know what you're getting yourself into, right? Like when you watch, like you just had um, the Jack Ryan season two or season three on net on Amazon prime. Yep. And the, it's a whodunit. You don't know what's going on, but you know what you're getting into. You know, you're getting into Tom Clancy thing. You got Money Heist, which is really popular. You know, you get like, you know, at least in your mind, kind of what you're, you know, how to set your expectations. But I feel like something like Lyoscope is just going to frustrate users because they don't know what they're really getting into. And it's just going to be like, what the hell am I watching more than a, oh, this is an interesting concept. Yeah, here, here's here's an interesting idea that just that just came to me. I think that um, it would be interesting, or I think it might, in my opinion, be better if you had <clears throat> everyone starts on the same episode and ends on the same episode, and then there's randomized middle episodes that kind of go further detail of each individual and how they got there. That'd make more sense because you could do like. The intro stuff. Yep. You know, how it went bad was probably the very end, but everything in between that I could see the logic of that. Um, I, I just have a hard time with the total randomization. So I saw that. I'm like, because eh, eh. what you could do is, is, you know, you, the first episode could be, you know, everyone's together. And then by the end of the episode, it's like, things go bad and they're like they they phrase the question how did we get to this point and then you yeah. know you get like the origin story of each character and how they ended up being part of the team by the end of the episode and then the last episode basically go basically starts at how did we end up here and then goes forward from there to give you that resolution i could see that there's my idea now pay me millions of dollars, please, because I could use it. <laughs> Maybe you two could write Netflix's Witcher season three and four. From my understanding, um, Liam Hemsworth apparently looks really good. Uh, hmm. Still not a huge fan of the fact that he's going to be Geralt, but apparently he's looking pretty Witcher-esque. Speaking of which, I don't know. I, I think the sale is over, but Steam got me bad right at the new year oh, no. and with heavy discounts i got the witcher 3 for like 10 bucks nice because they had like a lot of games for 70 and 80 percent off i'm like oh well looks like charlie's making some purchases i purchased the only one i got on a discount was code vein 
Um, that's the only one I went on. Um, I played North Garden a lot. I've just actually beat it before the show. Nice. Um, it's basically it's a mix up between it's a mashup between a city builder and like a traditional RTS like World of Warcraft. Um, I think it's well done. I rather enjoyed it. I would definitely recommend it. Oh crap! Um, I bought six games. What's that? I said I bought six games. Nice. Um, well, I did re up my um, Sony. Um, I'd let it. I so. I'm not playing Final Fantasy XIV anymore. I've kind of given that up basically to 7.0 comes out. Mm-hmm. So because of that, I re-up my PS Plus prescription, um, not prescription. Subscription. Subscription. So once, so that will be taking up my games. Like for instance, I just downloaded uh, God of War mm-hmm. because that is on the PS Plus. Right. So that's what I will be playing are my PS Plus games now. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, for those interested, I got, the Witcher Three. Uh, well, there goes your next month of gaming. Uh, after Party, Conway Disappearance at Dahlia View, Kenna Bridge of Spirits, Orcs Must Die Three, Ooh. and Where in the World is Carmen San Diego? Oh shit! Are you gonna just have your kids play that? Uh, my son Brody and I are are currently we we solved our first case and now we're moving on to the second one. Do they still have the great song "Where in the World Is"? That was a TV show. No, they don't. Unfortunately, they although don't. I did actually get on the Switch is um because I heard so many great things about it was Cult of Lamb. Ah uh, yes, I only played it last night for like a half hour, but so mm-hmm. far it's fun. Sweet. Yeah, I've been so tempted to get that game, but I can't decide if I want it on the Switch or the P- or the PC. So that was my problem. I was like, you know what? I'm getting in the Switch because it can be like I'm going to bed game. Yeah, yeah. Is why I kind of decided. I'm like, okay, I can see that. I can see that. All right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I think we have we thankfully have covered all the topics this evening, uh, and we're basically out of time. I do want to remind everyone that. There will not be a show next week. Uh, I will be in the city of Chattanooga in the state of Tennessee for Chattacon, which, of course, if you want information about Chattacon, all you got to do is go to Chattacon, that's C-H-A-T-T-A-C-O-N dot org, and you can find out all the information. Uh, like I said, I think that I my panel, uh, Video Game Shidget for the Good, question mark, is going to be on Sunday. I don't remember what the time is. I will be moderating, and apparently there will be an autograph session, a 30-minute time slot autograph session. So if you want to come by, uh, pick up a, an exclusive um, brain doodle, uh, just swing by and find me. Nice. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I want to thank everyone for tuning in to the Ultra Confusion Thursday Night Hangout. For myself, Charlie, and Zelius, it's been a pleasure giving our, come our heads, our mouths, and, of course, our hearts will be back in two weeks for another Ultra Confusion Thursday night hangout. Remember, kids, keep on gaming in the free world. Amen to that, brother.